Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch. I don't know why I did it that way. That was weird. I'm a strange person. Anyway, hi, welcome to Blizzard Watch. That's the normal way. I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, Anne. Hi, say hi, Anne. Hi. You sounded kind of like I do when I've been like spending all day painting my nails. That's interesting. Do you inhale a lot of fumes when you do that or something? I mean, you can't help but do so. <laughs> And then you sound a little crazy. But... I, I honestly I don't paint my nails a ton, so yeah, I, I kind of really figured know. it didn't really seem like your bag. Anyway, how you doing, Rossi? I, I'm okay. Um, in non non Blizzard news, I'll just get this out of the way. I'll rip the bandaid off. I've been playing a ton of The Outer Worlds, which is a very interesting game. Um, I know Alex didn't like it, and of course he didn't because I did like it, and you know, yin to my yang and all that. But one of the things I, I, I was going to really say, if you it, thought it was enjoyable, he's not going to. So, yeah, one of the things I really thought was interesting about it was that it is definitely not an open world game, like at all. Uh, and in a in a world where Diablo is going open world, it's rare to see a, a game come out and say, "No, you can't just go anywhere you want. You can't explore everywhere. You can go to the places that touch this story." And we'll tell you when you can get there. There, you have to do something to unlock it. It's very. Do you remember Knights of the Old Republic? It's really reminiscent of Knights of the Old Republic, where you got to a certain place so in, the, in who, the galaxy map unlapped. Who did this one? Uh, it's Obsidian. The okay. Guys, that the the guys, the company that was created by the founders of of Black Isle, the the original Interplay guys, gotcha. who made the, who made Fallout and Fallout Two, and Obsidian, the company that made Fallout New Vegas. Okay. And a lot of people have been comparing this game to Fallout New Vegas, but one of the interesting things is one of the two people who's have most heavily involved in, in the Outer Worlds is Leonard Boyarsky. And if you don't know who Leonard Boyarsky is, he made Diablo 3. He went over to, to Blizzard and worked on Diablo 3. He basically was the guy who came in and said, okay, you've got a cool action RPG here, but your plot makes zero sense. So I'm going to make this make sense. And that's basically what he did. And 
I mean, the limitations being what they are, the Diablo series is never going to be a tremendously deep narrative, uh, except who knows, Diablo 4 might be, but Diablo 3 has a lot of things going for it, but it's not a tremendously deep narrative. But to whatever coherence no. it has, you can you can thank Leonard Boyarsky. And to a degree, you can tell that in this game, he sort of took the governor off. Like, he did Diablo 3, but he was very much, you know, he was very aware, I'm doing a game for somebody else. This is what he'd do if he's doing a game for himself. And it's it's really fascinating to me to play this game that is so... Like, you don't get to go places until there's a reason to go there. Like, you can't go there. There's like a like there's a thing called a nav key in the game, and if you don't have it, you can't go you can't go to certain places. And in a way, it's freeing. You don't feel like I have to go look at everything because you'll get to go there when the story lets you go there. And as a result, you can just kind of explore where you are allowed to go. And I I, I don't know. It's really fascinating to me. It really it did make me think of Diablo three a bit, just in terms of like when you go to what an act. What is it about? Because I've heard people. I mean, obviously, everybody on Twitter is going agog over this game, but like, okay, the, what the, is it about? The, the shortest version of what it's about is capitalism. When it when it is run when it is runaway is really bad. Okay, because this is set this is set in a world where Theodore Roosevelt never became president. Ah, so okay. Trust bus- so trust it's like alternate alternate yeah alternate reality alternate future kind of thing future yeah okay and essentially if you take the world like world war one happens and then as it goes on things get more and more divergent this colony was was created entirely by 10 corporations that formed a corporate council and bought this area from the world directorate the earth directorate it's called and they run it as a, a completely unchecked capitalist system so a no, little bit a little bit of fallout a little bit of that kind of thing a little it's bit very, it sounds like it's very it feels it feels it feels bioshock a little bit too there's you can see why you would say that it doesn't it isn't really very much like bioshock in terms of its gameplay right. it plays a lot like a fall no i'm game. just talking uh, about like alternate history that kind of thing yeah the alternate history stuff is then again fallout was alternate history too yeah uh, but i will say that it's interesting because it is not a game where you fix everything it's not a game where you save everything. There are things you can save and things you can't save. And some of them are big. Like you can you can change the fate of the colony entirely. But in the end, it's still kind of a weird system where things are going the way they're going. And you can have an impact, but you don't change everything overnight. Uh, and I like it. Um, but at the same time, it feels to me very much like the first game that you make as a proof of concept. It's because it's, it's like 30 to 35 hours tops. Like it, that's it. And keep in mind, I'm coming at this, like, even Greedfall, which is the other game that I played that was similarly not open world. Greedfall has a 60-something-hour campaign. Yeah. And this is, like, 30 to 35 hours if you play it, like, you know, if you don't take your time. Like, I took my time playing it because I had to go to BlizzCon. So I was, like, halfway through it. BlizzCon came. I went to BlizzCon. I came back. And then I didn't I didn't touch it for a couple of days because I was still kind of in that post-BlizzCon, okay, all right. Okay. I'm going to go play some Diablo now because I need to calm down. And then I finally got to the point where I could play it again. And yeah, we've been talking about it a lot and I'd like to move on to Blizzard news, but that's definitely Let, a cool game. Let's go ahead and move on to Blizzard news. All right. The only thing, the only new thing in, in, in my stuff, I'm still doing the same, same old, same old, let's play WoW, let's play this, let's play that. And the only other thing that's like really new right now is that I figured out how to get the Neverhood running on my PC on Windows 10. 
Um, so I may be streaming that in the near future here. I meant to stream it this week, and I don't know if I'm going to get around to it this week. But um, very old game. Very, very old game from DreamWorks Interactive. And it's all claymation. And it has one of the best video game soundtracks I've ever heard. So, yeah, I'm going to be doing some vintage vintage streaming at some point here in the near future. Cool. That's very cool. Uh-huh. I don't know the game, but I'm interested just because I remember it's fascinating. Had an interesting game thing. You would enjoy it. Anyway, so yeah, we can go ahead and move on. Okay, we should probably do them their top stories we do here. Uh, as always, I suddenly go like slightly weird fake Western when I do that. Don't know why. Um, but one of the ones I wanted to talk about first, um, there was a new Overwatch story this this week um i think this i week or know was it last week? no it was this week okay and i'm very one excited the, a lot of stuff has been happening lately guys and i have a hard time keeping it all straight but yeah there was a new uh, michael chu wrote a mercy story called valkyrie uh do you want to talk about it i mean i've read it but you probably have more stuff to say about it than i do okay so the first thing that you need to know about this story is that if you watch the we are overwatch trailer that was all like we are this that the other we are science and then it showed mercy and she was flying down and there was this kid caught in the rubble and she says we are compassion that's this story this is this is the story of that moment so um i am really actually stoked that they managed to tie it back to that particular trailer uh the story's called valkyrie and it's about mercy but it takes place after everything that's been happening after the recall order has been issued and after um anna and jack morrison 76 teamed up again and have been going after reaper and they know that reaper is gabriel reyes um mercy learns that during the course of this story but um you find out what happened to mercy after overwatch kind of disbanded and everything and where she is and what she's doing and by the end of it you get this real kind of impression that ah this is a lead up into Overwatch 2 because she was shown in the Overwatch 2 trailer as having shown up with Winston and everybody else like she's actually with those guys again Um, and the story kind of explains her motivations and stuff behind it it's a really good story I enjoyed it a lot It, it gave us kind of like that insider view of overwatch like how overwatch ran but it also gave us a really good kind of encapsulation of of soldier 76 of jack morrison from mercy's perspective and i appreciated that because it kind of rounds him out a little bit more in ways that maybe we haven't seen um it also kind of rounds out mercy in a way too because you get a lot of her impressions of what Overwatch was and you also um, you get to experience that first meeting where she was asked to join Overwatch where, where Morrison said okay we need you and um, yeah th- there was actually a lot of stuff in there that I, was, yeah. I also thought was interesting about her perspective of why they picked Morrison over Reyes to run yeah. the whole thing yeah and it wasn't that they didn't think Reyes was a good leader they just didn't think he was the right leader for what Overwatch was trying to transition into and that was interesting to me that, that idea that Reyes had more or less been, it felt like Reyes was the leader during the Omnic crisis. He was, least, yeah. he was, he was the assigned leader during the Omnic crisis. And then when they transitioned out of the Omnic crisis and finished everything, they picked Morrison to be like the official, official leader. Yeah. And you can kind of see both perspectives. You understand why Reyes would feel hurt and slighted by this, but at the same time, you know, they wanted somebody who was a little bit more positive. They wanted somebody who, like the public face, had to be one people trusted. 
as they tried to transition into a world peacekeeping organization instead of, you know, a, a military unit fighting a, a, a global war. And it was really fascinating. I don't, I don't have any conclusion I'm drawn from it. I just thought it was really interesting to see her perspective on that and how she, she knew that her, her work might go in ways she didn't want it, but she wanted to believe that it wouldn't so bad that she went for it anyway. And I think I think a lot of the things that I appreciate about Mercy and Mercy's perspective in this too is that well number one she kind of like hesitated at being called Mercy again because that was something that Overwatch created for her that wasn't who she wanted to be necessarily mm-hmm. and the moment when she puts the 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 Valkyrie suit back on again and then that little bit that little moment at the end there where she's watching the, the kids and and she sees Hanan who's like the little girl sees her spread her wings like like Mercy does like she was describing she was describing it was like she was describing Mercy to her brother or whatever to cheer her brother up and I was like oh that's really sweet and yeah okay no wonder Mercy decided to go back it wasn't just it wasn't just about the fact that like the situation was bad it was seeing after seeing what Anna and and Morrison were up to, I mean, it's obvious that the world isn't fixed and it hasn't been for a really long time and maybe it never will be, but she could be being more active about it. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I really liked this story. I thought it was one of the best stories that they've written so far. There was also that, that interesting contrast where she's doing, you can tell she goes back to Winston's group because she understands what what Jack and Anna are doing, but she doesn't agree with it. And especially the no. fact that they're trying to do everything themselves. And even Anna points out, you know, we're old soldiers. It's not our place to try and fix the future. You're the ones who actually are there. We we learned one way of doing things, and that's the way we use. You know, don't don't judge him too harshly. You know, he. This is he all he's a, known, really. Yeah, this is all he knows how to do, and it's like. In a way, I actually really like now that they've revealed, you know, the truth about Soldier Seventy Six. You know, his the fact that he's gay. I I like the friendship he and Anna have even more because they're like a buddy cop team. They're they're like the two soldiers that are oh, yeah. like, you know still fighting, and you you have he's kind of the bulldog and she's the one that's like you know the Murtaugh of the group, the one that kind of says, look, don't 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 take this the wrong way, you know. He does care, but this is the only way he knows how to deal with it. And it was just there was a lot in it I liked, not just the the the, the mercy stuff, but I liked I liked the fact that after Overwatch, she felt like her reputation was besmirched, and Dude. she's still mad about it. Like when, yeah. when you, she sees Anna and she sees the biotic grenades on on seventy six, she's mad about those things because that's her work, and it was never supposed to be grenades or guns. She wanted this he to be told her everything. that they wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. He he told her that, and yet there they are. And there's there's that icy bit there. And I I did like it. There's a lot to it to like. I really do think so. Well anyway, I'm really excited about that and I'm also excited by the possibility of more stories. Um I did ask because I wasn't sure about the whole the kid and the We Are Overwatch trailer. So I sent a tweet to Michael Chu just to ask. And he was like, yes, that's exactly where it's from. I'm like, okay. But yeah. So I'm wondering like how many other bits from that trailer. Like, is there anything in that trailer that we haven't seen yet? And I still need to go pick that apart. Because that was the one piece that we hadn't like, we definitely hadn't witnessed. And yet they pulled it and they made a story out of it. 
And I was like, wow, okay. And it also, like I said, everybody else, everybody else in that whole zero hour cinematic that they had for Overwatch 2, everybody else was explained. Everybody else, it was pretty clear why they were back, right? Mercy Mm -hmm. was the only one that was like kind of a wild card because every time you listen to her voice files and things like that. She's always very down on Overwatch. She's like, it was shut down for a reason. You know, there's a reason why we don't do any of this stuff anymore. And she, this kind of explained a lot of that. But I also think it kind of pushed her beyond that. I'm curious if this is going to be reflected in any of the voice lines in the game or or not. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, when we, we get Overwatch 2, that's definitely something to look out for. Yeah, definitely. All right. Anyway, not that, not that this has anything to do with Overwatch 2, but I got to segue it somehow. Yes. Uh, in patch 8.3, Death Knights are getting allied races and Pandaren. And yeah. we've got so- the sound files now have been de- decrypted. They were Blizzard pushed a PTR that then has them in their un- their unencrypted way. So if you wanted to listen to both what Bolvar and what uh Darian um Darian, Mogren. I can't say Darian Mogren. Thank you. I was saying trying to say Darian Fordring so hard. No. Nope. Uh, what Darian Mograine and, and Bolvar Four Dragon have to say. There's actually a lot there, although it's they're relatively short. Um Bolvar has like three lines and I think I think uh Darian has like six or seven. He's got like a, a paragraph or so that's basically here's here's the down low on the Death Knights and what you're gonna expect and that kinda you know, it's it's only much more eloquently said, obviously. But there's a what's really interesting to me is first off when Bolvar talks. Bolvar, if you remember the original Death Knight starting zone fly in when you, it flies into the zone, just like every like when you start a character somewhere else. And you, one of the things that's said um, is you know in life you are a hero to your people. And Bolvar opens with that. It's not exactly the same, but it's Bolvar opens with in life. You it's are a like hero a callback to, to it. Yeah. Yeah. And. For their sake, you made the ultimate sacrifice, but your duty to Azeroth is not yet complete. More is demanded of you. A price the living cannot pay. This is the hour of your dark rebirth. Uh, Death's power grows. Rise and become my champion. Which is, again, very much like the original voice. This is the hour of your dark rebirth also comes from that original voiceover as you when you rolled the Death Knight back in the day. And I think that's great. I love that they have Bolvar do that. I find myself wondering if Bolvar will actually be there. Or if he's just doing the voiceover. Uh, but the fact that he's involved... He, he might just be doing the voiceover. Yeah. But the fact that he's involved in this is really fascinating. Uh, have you got a chance to look at any of this? Yes. I have okay. looked it all over. Did you look at the Darian part? Yeah. Uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting, and maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't, but Darian does not seem like he's just lockstep following the Lich King here. No, um, he doesn't. It seems like he kind of pulled back from that a bit, which I'm actually pleasantly surprised by because I was a little bit um, disappointed that he was like so gung ho, like he had become that thing that he saved his father from. And and that made me kind of sad. And this sounds like a little less. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to read this opening part because I think it's really important. Uh, Darian says, dire times call for new allies. You come from a strong people. No doubt you will serve the Ebonblade well. It seems that the Lich King has sensed the same truth that we have, that a rising threat stalks us from the shadows and that we must bolster our ranks to face it. And that's that's got a lot going on in, in a relatively short little passage. Um, first off, like we said, Darian definitely does not seem like somebody who is just 
blindly following someone else's directives. Which I'm it's, perfectly happy about, really. And the second thing is, is that between the two of them, what this has me thinking about is one of the reasons the Lich King couldn't fight Sylvanas in that cinematic as effectively as he might have wanted to is that he spent a lot of power. Like, it feels almost like, I don't know, I keep coming up with this idea that it almost feels like he wasn't necessarily going in blind. Like, he kind of knew more than you think he might have known. And, and he, was preparing he just for maybe it. wasn't running at full capacity at that point. Because he literally raised a ton of Death Knights. You know, we, we know that he's bolstering the ranks. And that's interesting to me for a lot of reasons. I don't think he could... I, I feel like there's a thing we keep forgetting about both Sylvanas and Bolvar. Is that they're generals. These oh, are yeah. people who are used to commanding troops. Who who are used to making hard tactical decisions to, to, to get to victory. One of the hardest things you have to do as a, as a leader in war is let yourself take a hit to see what the enemy is going to do. Um, one of the fascinating like real life examples is when during world war II, the British had successfully decoded German communications and they knew, okay, the Germans are going to hit this town. They're going to, they're going to bomb it. And then they didn't do anything. And they let the attack happen and people died. And they kind of had to, because if they, they had done everything, yeah. anything, then they would have known. They, yeah. The, the Germans would have realized something was up. And I find myself wondering if that's what Bolvar in a way is trying to anticipate without being able to anticipate. I can't, I don't know Ooh, what's coming. You think? So I, I think to a certain degree, he, he sort of let not, he didn't let her come in and attack him. That, that was straight up. That was her move. He, but he did let it, her move happen. He didn't because he could have just said to all those Death Knights, you're at Ice Crown. He could have just parked a couple th th couple hundred new Death Knights right in front of the place. And he didn't. He put them out in the world where she wouldn't get to them. And she kind because of she, really easily. Well, I mean, she like really easily traversed her way into Ice Crown, too. It looked like she just yeah. strolled right on in. He didn't have the Scourge anywhere near it. He didn't have any defenses up. I'm starting to wonder if... I, again, I don't think he knew what she was going to do. I don't think he knew she was going to destroy the, 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 the Helm of Domination. But I do find myself thinking there's an old saying you in chess, I think it is, that you let your enemy execute their strategy and then you make them pay for it. And I find myself wondering if that's what's going on here. If like Darien and the Lich King, for one thing, to have Darien and the Lich King come to an understanding where Darien isn't treated like a pawn or a puppet. He's given the respect he's earned. And as a result, he can work with the Lich King instead of like, you know, he's not, you know, you, you know, you do what I say because I raised you as one of my four horsemen. It's like, you know, I'm still going to treat you like an independent person. And you, in return, you'll lead my forces. They're, I don't know. And I mean, he gathered, he gathered a whole bunch of undead there. There was a lot of undead between him and her that promptly died because of her. But like. And maybe that's one of the reasons he didn't put the Death Knights there. Maybe he was just because, bringing up the cannon fodder specifically yeah. to see what she would do. And, and maybe he underestimated her. It seems likely that he, uh, didn't, yeah. he didn't understand what her goal was. But to a certain degree, you can almost think that maybe he thought if he thought she was going to take the helm, maybe he almost wanted her to. Ooh, because that's he didn't an interesting. Ask for that's an inter well, he did technically. He asked for it, but he didn't ask to be put in that position. He didn't, you know, what was it we always said about the dragons? 
Like, one of the reasons he kind of keeps going after Red Dragons is there's a bit of resentment there. Uh, yeah, he didn't ask to be put in that position, I guess, in terms of he didn't ask to be torched by the Red Dragon flight or anything. But the thing is, is, like, he willingly picked up that helm and put it on his head to spare Tyrion. And also because... Tyrion put the helm on his head. Well, yeah, and, and, and technically, though, I mean, not technically, but in theory, part of the reason that he did that was because he was like, look... I can't die. Yeah. I've been imbued by these flames. I look like a well-done Pop-Tart, and I can't exactly go strolling back into Stormwind like this, so just give me the hat. Just do it. Yeah. And there's there's a lot, still a lot we, we don't know. Shadowlands is going to be interesting, and it's one of the reasons I'm so excited for it. Um, but I definitely like the idea that Darian and, and Bolvar have come to some kind of understanding where it isn't just you do what I say. I think my big thing is is like the reason I'm so excited for Shadowlands right now is because we aren't dealing with the Lich King anymore. We're dealing with Bolvar and I am so excited to see what exactly he's going to do now that he doesn't have the helm anymore. Like who is that guy now? And what does he have to say? Because he's in a very vulnerable space now. I mean, it's technically it's not super, super vulnerable because obviously, like we've said before, he's imbued with the flames of the red dragonflight. He can't really die, right? But at the same time, he's in a vulnerable spot because he's exposed. He's not wearing the hat. He sounds like himself again. And his daughter's out there. And I just, all of these things, to me, I'm just sitting here going, ooh, I can't wait to see what happens with all of this. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree that there's a lot going on that I'm very interested in seeing. Okay. Uh, but while we're talking about Shadowlands, we might as well mention this bit. If yeah. you bought the digital Shadowlands pre-order and you're planning on buying the Collector's Edition when it comes out, uh, Blizzard is going to be refunding you on your Blizzard balance. But I don't, some people are, are not really happy with the terms of how they're going to do it. Um, I, I, since I'm not planning on buying the CE, I haven't really looked into this, but they're going to do, they're definitely it's going compli- to let you do it. Yeah, it's complicated. The way that it works and it works this way, it worked with this way with Battle for Azeroth. I actually went through this with Battle for Azeroth. Um, I had bought the digital CE, like the digital collector's edition, or well, it's like because they have different levels. Digital now. deluxe, like, I think it's yeah, called. it was a digital deluxe. I bought the digital deluxe, and then um, I got a collector's edition, a physical one. So I went ahead and like when I registered the physical collector's edition, they gave me the difference between the two in the form of blizzard balance and then i use that to you know on whatever game time whatever the heck i wanted to spend it on right um Mm -hmm. the way the problem that's going on right now is that they have three different digital editions and apparently if you upgrade from one digital edition to another because you could do that it's pretty straightforward to do that but if you do that and then you purchase the physical collector's edition, they're just going to, they're basically going to 
reimburse you for the copy, the cost of the copy that you initially bought. So say you buy the base edition, which is like, you know, 40 bucks or whatever, and then you decide to go ahead and upgrade it to the heroic edition before, you know, and, and that one's $60, right? So you upgrade mm-hmm. it from 40 to 60 and then you go ahead and you actually say, oh man, that physical collector's edition is real sweet. I'm going to get one of those. And you go to go ahead and register it. They aren't going to reimburse you for the $60 for the heroic. They're going to reimburse you for the 40 that you spent initially on the base edition. Yeah, so that's something to be in mo- keep in mind. If you think you might end up buying the collector's edition and you want to get the deluxe, you might want to consider getting the heroic edition up front. Yeah. So you get the maximum don't, amount. Don't upgrade back. your digital edition if you're going to buy a physical collector's edition at some point. Just Just wait until you get that physical collector's edition. And then yeah, because then you'll get the stuff that you would have gotten from the right, upgrade anyway. Right, and so, and I think yeah. that's what. Well, and the thing is, is like that seems kind of. I get it in a way because it's really hard for them to keep track of who's upgraded what when, right? And the one thing that they definitely have record of is that point of sale from that initial purchase that you made. They don't necessarily have the record from the upgrade or anything like that. I don't know. It just, to me, it seems like it's a problem that they need to figure out. Yeah, I definitely think that if you decided to upgrade your digital edition, you should get the money that you spent. Yeah. Not the money that you initially spent because it's you're still leaving people out 20 bucks. And right. That's, you know, granted the way and that's the, a little shady. I is, mean, come on, guys. You're yeah. making hand over fist with World of Warcraft. You don't need to like shade people out of twenty bucks here and there. That's yeah, I, kind it definitely of ridiculous. feels. Yeah, it feels like an error that needs to be corrected. I I'll totally grant you that. But at any rate, be aware of this. If you're deciding right now whether or not to get the pre-order, or if you're going to get the collector's edition when it comes out, or you've decided I'm going to pre-order it and then I'll get the collector's edition when it comes out be aware that you'll only get the refund for the version you currently purchased. So if you bought the regular edition and then you decided I'm going to upgrade it all the way to the heroic edition, then you'll be out that upgrade money. So keep that in mind while you're doing it. Um, That's something I think is pretty important. Yep. Uh, But that's, that's pretty much it for that one. We don't really have a lot else to talk about that one. Uh, I'm going to talk about this one, even though I absolutely don't understand it because you do. Um, Maticus went and played Hearthstone Battlegrounds for us. And, you know, I have not yet played Battlegrounds. I just, I have not really had the time between all the other games I'm playing, uh, between you know, trying to get my Diablo 3 stuff in order for the new season coming up next week, which I should have mentioned and that they announced it afterwards, so we'll talk about that later. Um, so Battlegrounds is on beta now. It's it's open. People can try it out. Uh, since you've done it, what do you think of it? Let's 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 have you talk about okay. it. Okay, you seriously like Rossi? You would probably really enjoy this because it's kind of like they keep saying auto chess. They compare it to that kind of thing, but it, it's it's basically you're fighting against a bunch of other people, and you're going in by round by round by round. And the way that it plays is similar and yet very different from Hearthstone. Like you see the cards, you know what the cards do. And you choose your cards selectively to make sure that you can, like, build up the best combos and that kind of thing. And the whole point of it is to get, you know, the person that's sitting across the table from you, you want to get their health down to zero before your health gets down there. It just so happens that there's, like, eight people that are swapping in and out of this table, right? Um, It's a really fun, kind of hectic, different sort of game. And I... 
really want to play with a bunch of people from Blizzard Watch. Um, I know that Ted wanted to stream with like a bunch of people and I unfortunately was not available for it. So I don't know if he did stream, but if he did, you guys should definitely go watch that because um, it's fun. It's just ridiculously fun. The way that it plays is, I don't know, there's something different about it. There's something different about, because it's not so much about like the deck building kind of thing. It's more about making good choices with the cards that you're given and choosing the right ones to move forward with. Um, so to me, it feels like kind of Hearthstone light in a way, I guess. And you can also play it with, you know, different people, which is fun in and of itself. But it just, it feels kind of Hearthstone light to me because it's not so much about that whole deck building and making sure that you have the correct cards and all this other stuff. Da -da 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 -da. No, you're just picking, you're choosing cards for particular scenarios and you're trying to choose the best combo to get you to last all the way to the end. Because it's kind of like Battle Royale. It's like Battle Royale the card game. And I don't know, I really enjoy it. Um, and I think that you would enjoy it too, Rossi. I don't, I don't think that you would, you should go through and just at least like play through the tutorial because the tutorial explains everything in great detail. And yeah, if you guys are curious about what's going on with it, please, by all means, check it out on the beta because seriously, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun than you'd think. Um, it definitely put a different spin on the game and I was really happy about that. Cool. Uh, one of the things that we didn't have on the list because it hadn't been announced, but since it's been announced now, I can tell you, uh, we now have a, a start date for Diablo 3's Season 19, and it's November oh. 22nd, so next week. Oh, good. Um, if you've been waiting to get into this new season um, because it's it's the season of the Eternal Conflict, uh, now you can. You, you will be able to start next week. Um, Give us a very brief, brief like two-sentence summary of what exactly that new season, what's going on with it. Okay, the season buff is called the Pandemonium buff. And what happens is, if you've played Diablo 3, you know about killstreaks. Where you, the more things you kill, the higher the streak goes, and you can get like an XP boost. This takes that mechanic and just supercharges it. Where you don't just get like a killstreak XP bonus, you get like a higher, higher stacking buffs. Like the way it works is... The stacking buff gives you 0.05% uh, movement speed and 0.1% bonus damage. And the bonus caps at 50% movement speed and 100% damage with 1,000 stacks. Um, so if you can just keep killing stuff, the buff goes higher and higher and higher. It but that's sounds not all. like crazy ramping. But that's not all. Um, for every, the higher and higher your level gets, um, it's your, your kill streak, like say for 15 kills, you get five massive energy twisters that are unleashed, 30 kills, dark geysers form beneath enemies, 50 kills, exploding chickens seek and destroy, 100 kills, corpses rain from the sky, uh, 150 kills, a whole frost nova freezes enemies, uh, 200 kills, treasure chests fall from the sky. And the treasure chests can hurt things they hit, by the way. Um, 300 kills, a ring of fire engulfs everything. 400 kills, meteors hail from, from above. Uh, 500 kills, angels descend upon the battlefield to fight for your cause. And we don't even know what the thousand kill bonus is. There's a question mark after it. So that's, this thing is nuts. And it's basically, this is the season of stomping. Yeah. And this is, this starts at level one. Like when you get your first kill streak, if you manage to get a 15 kill kill streak at level one, which you can do, I've done it, then you will get this buff. 
and you'll get five massive energy twisters that will just be unleashed on on your foes. And meanwhile, you'll have the 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 buff will have stacked up to fifteen times. So it, it won't be you know super powerful, but you'll notice it immediately. And that's what's really cool about this is it takes the problem with the season of the triune buff was that it didn't stick to you. Like you'd kill things and you'd spawn the the circles on the ground. But if you didn't then go and stand in the circles on the ground, you didn't get any benefit from it. You'd have to go find those circles and stand in them. For some classes, that's really not easy to do. Um, if you're like, if you're arranged in this, in this circle on the ground spawns all the way over there, you have to run over to it, which means, you know, stopping your damaging, just, you know, it's not great. And if you're melee, often the circle can be just outside where you are and you have to try and adjust and get over to it. And sometimes that's not all that easy. So this time the buff is on you. It doesn't ever not on you. It's just linked to your kill streaks. So can you kill a lot of stuff? That's what it comes down to. Can you kill a lot of stuff? Just keep killing stuff. And it changes the, the way you play because you're never going to, you're always going to be trying to get more stuff to kill. You're going to try and keep that bonus on you. You may keep in mind that the way that kill streaks work is they, they refresh if you hit something, not if you kill it. And that's the same with this. The buff will stack and it will stay on you as long as you're hitting things. So even if you don't, if you, you're in a situation where you've got like a couple dozen guys punching you, you may not want to kill them all right away. You might want to try and drag them over to another group. So once you've got them all piled up, now I can kill 30 of you at once and get my kill streak up higher. Kaboom. And you might, yeah. There's a lot of there's interesting ways to do strategy with this, and it will definitely make it so that you alter your play style a bit, especially if you're on certain classes that aren't graded, that normally are all about crowd control and not hitting stuff. You're going to want to alter it around and change your, your build to, to get better at just keeping the pressure on them so that you keep your stack up. So that's that's an interesting bonus i think i'm i'm very looking forward to to playing around with this once season 19 hits and one of the reasons i'm excited is because then we're going to get season 20 and we have no idea what season 20 is we literally have nothing But 20 is a big number not only is that it'll be like the the sixth theme season because they started with season 14 yeah and i'm interested to see like if this works what do you do for an encore what do you do after you've used the kill streak mechanic like this (laughs) <laughs> what's next i still think it's going to be shrines you think Because that's the one thing they haven't done anything with shrines yet shrines you're and, and, right actually they didn't do anything with those at and, all yet did they and having it be shrines means it's still on you you don't have to stand anywhere you just have to find the shrines and having right. it change the way the shrines work would be an interesting mechanic that's where i think it's going but i don't really know okay but yeah i, I think we've got one more story really quick um which we probably should mention. Uh, it's the patch 8.3 we know is coming. We already know it's got the Allied races. We know it's got Nazoth, all that stuff. Uh, one of the things it's got that's kind of a different change, it's a change that's oriented towards Shadowlands, actually, is as of right now, they've changed the way that I glow. If you have a character who has glowing eyes, specifically if you have a Death Knight, a Blood Elf, or a Night Elf, they've changed the way I glow works. And it's it's a work in progress. I went on the PTR and played around with it. For certain certain groups, it doesn't look that much different. Like my Death Knight, the the glow is dimmer, but it's not a lot dimmer. It's just a little bit less bright. Uh, for Blood Elves, for the for green eyed Blood Elves, it's noticeable. Like you can actually see their eyes now. You can see the 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 pupil and iris There's underneath. Actually, yeah, 
Yeah, you can see it, the green is still there, but you can see the pupil and iris underneath it. The golden eyes is much harder to see through. It's still a little bit dimmer than it is on live, but it you can't well, I really think make it's also the eye. probably part of that is because the blood elf model, those green eyes, the way that they work, that's been kind of there since classic. And even when mm. they did the model revamp, they didn't really do too much messing around with the eyes on those characters. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. Um, I went and checked on both a night elf, I mean, on a void elf and a nightborn, and they haven't done anything to them. Their their guy glow is exactly the same as. I think that perhaps it's because those characters are already working with a new eye glow mechanic. It's possible because I looked at the void elf eye very carefully, and you can still, if you look at a void elf's eyes, you can kind of just barely make out the pupil and iris underneath. And it depends also on what your facial model is because some faces have like it's a little more prevalent than others Mm -hmm. yeah Um, i checked it versus my live void elf i feel like what Uh, we're seeing here the same or what you're seeing here is like it's a mid change but they're going back to all of these older models that had the original eye glows because if you go Okay, so load up Classic. If you play World of Warcraft, you can play Classic. Load up Classic and take a look at the Night Elf eyes. The way that they work is that glow is actually this transparent pane that's in front of the eyes. So if your character is wearing something like, oh, I don't know, say a blindfold, you will see the eye glow clip through. And that's how it's been since like all the way back in Classic. And I feel like they've been working on the eye glow to make it look less like there's this floating thing in front of it. Um, And maybe that's, they're just transitioning these older models to use that method. Um, I'm not sure, but I think that's what's going on here. One thing I can say for absolute certainty is the night elf eyes are the most changed of any. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not not the night warrior. The Night Warrior is exactly the same as it is on live, but the Night Warrior is brand new. They just did that this expansion. I'm not surprised they didn't change it. The the actual Night Elf eyes, though, because I my my main and my alt are both Night Elves. My my highest alt and my my main. And I went and switched her on. I actually put her on the the, the PTR like three times so I could play around with with stuff. And the the Night Elf eyes on the PTR are they're still quite bright. Actually, they're they're they didn't lose brightness. What they lost is the projected glow that Anne was just talking about. That little clip piece yeah. that sits if, in front. If anything, it, the eyes are glowing now, whereas before it was light being projected out from that thing that they put in front of the eye. Like you could back in the day, you could actually go up against a wall and get your character's face and look at their eyes through the glow. It was very hard to do, but you could do it. And it was weird, but you could yeah, do it. But now that eye is literally just glowing inside your head. And as a result, because it's not projecting onto your face at all, it does look a little weird. Um, but they're not done. And they've said this. They've said, yeah. This is and I just feel like, step. I, I feel like what they need to do is they need to like reflect that glow on the skin texture rather than making it a pain that's sitting in front of the yeah. eyes. And maybe Instead that's what they're working on. Bulbs for a face, yeah. yeah, and I think that's kind of what they're working on. Because if you go and you look at the Nightborn and you look at the Void Elves, that's kind of what they're set up with already. They don't have that little projection thing so much. Um, I need to double check it because I haven't actually like slapped a, a, a blindfold on my Blood Elf since I turned her into a Void Elf. But... Um, 
I know that when she was a blood elf, it was I always ran into that problem where it was like the the little eye projection thing. It would clip through the blindfold and it would look really weird. Yeah, it definitely feels like they're 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 doing. We know that the eyes are going to be a big part of the customization process. Like you'll be able to pick your eye color to a degree, uh, and it feels like that's part of the things they're doing here because there's like two you're or three be different. Able to, I should clarify. You're yeah. going to be able to pick your eye color separate of your facial features. Yes. So you can have any face with any eye color rather than having to pick a certain face because it has a certain eye color. I'm so excited about this. You have no idea. <laughs> it sucks being a, having to choose like one face that you might not be super happy with just because you really like the eye color. So it's like, well, do I go with the facial expression that I'm not super jazzed about, but the eye color that I want? Or do I go with the facial expression that I really, really like and just say, okay, well, I guess their eye color isn't what I wanted it to be. And yeah, it's kind of ridiculous that they didn't have that in place years and years and years ago, but I'm so happy that they're doing it now. Sorry. No, it's fine. The, The one thing that I will say too, is that the death Knight one works the most. I think it is the best executed so far um, with the blood elf one being number two. Uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll, they'll keep working on it. They also probably have to work on Draenei, uh, at least original Draenei, if not Lightborn Draenei. I think Lightborn Draenei, they might not have to do much for. Uh, and they have to work on Light- Morgan to a degree. Yeah, I was going to say, Lightborn are kind of the new models. I don't know how much they're going to have to work on Morgan because the Morgan just got that model update. So maybe not so yeah, much. Maybe not, but they do have glowing eyes. So yeah. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, If they are uncoupling these eye glows from the facial expressions, that would still have to be done for the the worgen as well. Because right now, your worgen eye color is very much linked to what face you gave them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And worgen are actually going to be complicated for another reason. Uh, If humans get all these customization options, one of the two worgen models is just a human model. Yep. And, and that was one of those things that I kind of like asked about. And I don't know if we got like an actual answer for it was, are the model changes and the customization changes that are going into play for the human race? Are those also going to be applicable to ward in human form? And yep, I haven't heard an answer to that yet. Not one that I'm satisfied with anyway. So... I don't know. This is all obviously Shadowlands. It isn't like Shadowlands is just around the corner or anything. They have time to work on all of this. So next up is 8.3 when they're on the AT. They're working on this stuff at 8.3 BTR right now because of the Death Knight thing. Really? Yeah, yeah. And we don't know when they'll get to the full amount of the change, but it'll be in Shadowlands. So we'll see it when we see it. But yeah, at this point though, um, we've done most of the show and we haven't done a single email. I want us to do at least one. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to move us on emails now. So, guys, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Um, we'd like to answer as many questions about as many Blizzard games as you can. So feel free to ask about anything. It doesn't have to be World of Warcraft, although it usually is, and that's fine. But if you had a question about rock and roll racing, go ahead. We'll try. Uh, Anne usually reads them for us, so if you don't mind, Anne, please take it. I'm going to skip down a little bit here because I like this character, or like, like this dude's name. His name is Whitston Ginger Snaps, and he's a gnome warrior because, of course, he is on Warmest Accord, who says, Cheers to the two of you. Which character from Warcraft lore do you hope we see in the Shadowlands? For me, I hope that we run into Kendi Sparkshine somewhere in Bastion. Thanks, Whitson. I'm going to let you answer this. There's a First. lot of possibles. Um, there's there's ones that feel like almost obvious gimmies, like Varian. Um, 
you know, I kind of would like to see what he's up to in his afterlife. If did, because one of the things I want to know is when did the break happen that's messed up everything and is sending everybody to the mall? Did that happen before uh, Sylvanas got to be war chief or was it after? Because if it happened before, then Varian should be in one of these realms and we should get to meet him and say, hey, how's it going? Kind of miss you. Uh, but, but he's an obvious one. And obviously there's older figures that I'm really into, like Anduin Lothar. I'd love to see Anduin Lothar. Uh, a lot of Please, people said Queen... we get to see Uther, so yeah. Some people have said Queen Tiffin, <gasps> and I think that would be good because we don't know anything about Queen Tiffin, and it would be nice. Here's the thing: Var- what if Var- Tiffin Var- sent you to the Maw to go get Varian? That would be interesting. Um, one of the things about Queen Tiffin is Anduin doesn't know anything about her. No, she died and that would when be he was very young. Oh, the whole thing about this Shadowlands expansion, right? The whole thing about this, and the reason I'm looking forward to this so much, is that there are characters from... This is all the dead people, guys. This is, like, all of the dead people. So we're going to be continue. I'm going into this expecting to be continuously pummeled in the fields. Like, through the whole expansion. I'm expecting to just, like, cry my eyes out all over the place because... This is just, it's going to be really cool reunions between people that maybe never even got to meet, like Anduin and his mom. Oh my gosh. If they got to meet, yeah. Anyway, there was go a, ahead. I Sorry. Mean, one, of, one of my friends that I've rated with for a few years made an interesting point. It's like, we don't know what state Neltharian's soul was in when he died. Like, did the madness no. and the corruption of the old gods get left behind? And if so, like, could we be taking quests from a kindly Neltharian? trying to fix things to make up for what happened. Cause he was originally, he wasn't evil. He, he went crazy because of the old God influence, but he wasn't always that guy, you know? So what, what could we run into? Like, you're not death wing, but you know, afterlife wing or whatever you'd want to call him. Like, would, <laughs> could, you, could you run into Neltharian and he'd be all like, you know, no, we have to fix this. I'm so glad you're here. You could stop me. So obviously you can stop this. And like he's still arrogant because he's Neltharian, and Neltharian was always a bit arrogant. But he's, you know, he's on the side of good now. Like he wants to make it. He wants to make amends for what he did. He wants Can to. Can you imagine Rathion meeting Neltharian? Yeah, that would be interesting. There's, there's a lot you could do with this. I mean, I've, I've even said one of the things that could happen at the end of this expansion is we have to keep, we have to free all the souls that ended up in the Maw that didn't belong there. But what if we mess up and we end up freeing everybody from death? Like all these people that died get undead. They're not dead anymore. They're alive. They're, they're back in the world. What? Oops. Um. Okay. I had myself muted and that's probably a good thing because the noise that I just made when you said that. <laughs> it's like, you know, now there are two Goldons back. What? Oh God, no. <laughs> hey guys, Uther's back. <laughs> like. Varian's back. Uh, hi, son. Um. Well, this is awkward. You can keep it. I don't want it back. Please take it back. No, no, you're king now. The two of them fighting over. Not not yeah. who gets oh. who gets the crown, but who gets to abdicate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am not. You are the crowned king of Stormwind. I'm not taking it back. But you're the king. No, I'm not. I'm not. You are. I'm just Varian. I'm going to. Tiffin and I are going to go on a cruise. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's what will happen. I'm, I don't. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but it would be terrible enough that I had to contemplate it. Do you know who I want to see? No, tell me. I want to see, okay, I want to see Fandral Staghelm. 
I want to see Val Stan Staghelm. I want to see uh, Leara, his wife. I want to see, uh, let's see, I would like to see Chandra's Feathermoon's parents because we never knew who they were. I would mm-hmm. like to see, um, who else did I want to see? Oh, I want to see Soli Baloo just because. Yeah. It'd be yeah. nice to finally meet that guy. Just because it'd be a cool Easter egg. Um, also, I want to see Azuregos, and I said this in the queue on Monday, but I want to see Azuregos, not because he's dead or anything. I just want him to see take to take advantage of the fact that everything is open to go see his lady love. Like, yeah. I want to see Azuregos. I want to see him in mortal form, in some kind of mortal form, like whatever he decides to to manifest as and i want to see him with his lady love and i want him to send us on the craziest set of quests that we've gone on to date because that would be hysterical yeah no that's actually a really cool one there's yeah. there's a lot more but that's the the whole consequence we know we're going to see kalthas so i didn't bother to say him yeah no kalthas is like uh, i'm glad we're going to see him but like there's other people suspect- you mentioned andwin lothar absolutely I suspect we're going to see Arthas. I would like to see Arthas. I would also like to see Terranus, and I would like to see um, Varian's mom and dad. Yeah, um, especially his mom, because we never really got to see her very much we, in the we, game. We never got to see her very much in game, so this would be a way to kind of introduce that. And actually, like, if she is Lothar's sister, this would be a good way to introduce that, and, and like yep. where it makes sense in game. And also, we've yeah. I just there's so many people, you guys. There's so many people I want to see. <laughs> we didn't even mention all the orc figures that we might want to see. No, you know what no. I mean. And there's a bunch of those. And there's too. a ton of those. You get to there's... see Doomhammer again and, and like see like you know does what are his actual feelings about the horde that has come up since you know like how does he feel about what Thrall's done? Like is he he gave it? Thrall the Doomhammer and he gave Thrall his armor. So how does he feel about how Thrall and how would he feel about the fact that Thrall handed over the Doomhammer to some random person who promptly chucked it down a hole? Like there's <laughs> just oh, there's so much there. There's so much there to yeah. mess with, and I am looking forward to all of it. Anyway, we could, should probably move on. I think we got time for one more email. We got time for one more email. I think you might want to pick a relatively short one, but sure. Uh, okay, let's do, 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 um, wow, okay, most of these are actually pretty lengthy, but, okay, let's just go ahead and answer this one from Daddy, because I think it's pretty straightforward. This is from Daddy, who's a Tauren warrior on Lightbringer US, who says, hey guys, glad you had a great time at BlizzCon, Rossi, hope I get to go someday. With the reveal of the quote-unquote level alts through any expansion coming in Shadowlands, I'm excited, but I'm wondering, will the leveling also include that expansion's endgame content? So, for example, if you're leveling in Legion, you would hit 50 on Argus after after having done quests there, the Nightborn Zone and Broken Isles, instead of hitting 50 when you would normally hit max cap for that expansion. I hope so, but I can't find any info detailing this. I want to see the end stories to expansions using this new leveling system. Your thoughts? Thank you as always. Stay chilly. Um, they haven't I don't specified. Know they haven't said. Yeah, they didn't say. I, I assume the stuff will be there because one thing to keep in mind is you don't actually have to use this system. No, and that you content skip... isn't leaving the game. Yeah, you can skip all over the place if you want to. 
you don't have to level through one expansion. You can go level through wherever you want. The only exception to that is if you are roll, uh, a brand new player rolling a brand new character, then you're going to level in Battle for Azeroth. If yep, you're leveling in alt, most, yeah. pick wherever. And it, it, there's like the first time you like, I think the first time you're going through uh, again on that brand new character, you have to do the one to 10 starting zone that they're bringing in. The one that is effectively a training zone. Exiles reach. Yeah. Yeah. But after that, if you, for instance, if you're like, you know, this is my 32nd alt, I'm playing on a character that's been playing this game for like four expansions now, then you don't have to, you can, but you don't have to. And I don't think that content's going away. But I don't know if it's going to be like you hit 50 on Argus and that in-game stuff is – I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know if it'll – I think to a certain degree, the fact that they're doing this stuff the way they are means everything is going to scale. Uh, and it'll scale to whatever level you are. So you'll get a piece of gear when you're level 20 in the Legion content, and it'll be for your level 20 character. And then if you get to level 30 and 40 and 50, the gear will scale up to your level. As you're getting there's, it. Yeah, there's still stuff that they haven't figured out as far as that leveling system goes, including there were people asking, okay, well, how is flying going to work? Because as it stands right now, flying works when you hit, like, max level in an expansion or whatever. Well, what if you're, like, leveling through, like, how is that going to work? And they said that they, they were still working on that. And I feel like this is probably one of those things that they're still working on as well. Um, where they want to scale it in terms of where they want you to hit level 50 at. Do they want you to hit level 50 after you've already experienced everything in Suramar and the Broken Isles and Argus? Or do they want you to hit level 50 when you would have hit max level originally, which is prior to going to Suramar and all of that? And that's something that they can kind of craft on the go really with their scaling system however they choose to do it so i think that this is probably one of those things that they're kind of they're working on it and they don't have a solid answer because they haven't quite figured it out yet themselves does that make yeah. sense no that that that's pretty much on what i'm thinking for, yeah in terms of they don't know exactly when things are going to happen because this is still like this is still half a year away at least uh, if yeah. not more I, I don't i don't imagine we'll see this till like august of 2020 so they have time to work this out. We we haven't even got 8.3 yet. So I, I definitely think that that is something they're keeping in mind. And I don't think I don't think the end game stuff's going away because no. you know you will be able to do it even if you don't use this system. You'll be able to hop back and forth to various places that you've already been. So yeah, you'll be able to go farm your transmog or do whatever you want. They aren't taking any of that away. They better not be. I'll get real mad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I think I think hopefully we'll find out soon. But I don't think we're I don't think we're gonna know before 8.3 has come out, and I think we'll it'll be a while before we get much more detail. Like BlizzCon tends to be a big drop, and then we don't hear anything again until after this expansion is well and truly done, and yeah. they're looking at they're starting to hype us for what's coming. Because keep in mind, we'll get like the one the new level squish. We'll get that about a month or so before this expansion comes out. Oh, that's going to be so weird, but cool, but weird. Yeah. I it's forgot about that. I We're think... probably going to get that in the pre-patch. It's not something people I think are really ready for yet to really think about. And I, I get it because when I was doing the beta um, on the, uh, the, 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 the BlizzCon, I kept thinking to myself, Oh, right. I'm level 50. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, that's and so weird. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, I think, 
realistically speaking, nobody should really notice that there's a change because it's just a change in numbers. That's all it is. It's not a change in how your character feels or how powerful your character feels. It's just a switch in numbers is all. But even that is a little bit jarring and disconcerting. And we've seen that every time that they did like an item level squish or whatever, you know, where they Mm -hmm. like reduced everybody's power. That always felt a little weird for like the first couple of days. But then it was like, oh, no, okay, I'm still hitting things just as hard as I always did. So I don't know. But um, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap us up here and probably wrap us up for the show, too. Um, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Ian. And guys, again, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Thank you guys so much for being here. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be back next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.